Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. On Friday, the Seahawks finished up their first practice of training camp where the offense and defense went against each other at full speed. Sunday was day four of training camp. Running back Chris Carson was back after taking time off because of a death in the family. Cornerback Quentin Dunbar was on the practice field for the first time after his wild offseason. Padded practices are set to begin on Monday, so be sure and continue to visit fieldgoals.com to watch the live stream and join the open thread there to talk about it while you watch. Getting into this show, we hear from Tyler Lockett and what the offseason has been like for him. He talks about how these last few months mostly have been about getting his mindset right for the 2020 season and how it's been a transformative offseason for him personally. For me, I think it's been very eye-opening. Uh, you know, I went through a whole lot this offseason, but I think it's really allowed a lot of transformation to happen in my life. A lot of things that I was blinded to, things that I never wanted to deal with, uh, actually happened. So I think for me, I've been able to grow tremendously, but I've also had to step back and learn and know what it's like to not be in control all the time. Uh, the other thing that I think I've just been learning in quarantine is what really matters. Being able to find yourself, being able to, for me to know my faith is what's really important. And that's what drives everything else in my life, relationships, friends, football, just everything in life. And so I think that I've been taking this time to find myself. And now that I'm in football, I'm starting to become more free than ever. You know, I'm starting to just play my game more in a way to where my mind isn't invading my game. Like a lot of times I let my mind dictate how I play and I'm learning how to free myself from those thoughts and being able to just play free and really see like where I could take this game, not only in, in my play, but also in the play of my teammates, being able to support them more than I've ever supported before and really wanting them to win just as much as I want to see myself win. I think for me, that's the model this year. One thing that Tyler believes is very unique about the Seahawks group of receivers is that it's made up of selfless people who really want each other to succeed. He says that going into this season, players understand the offense a lot more, and that's going to make it difficult for opposing teams to try and predict what the team is going to try and do and how the Seahawks will make adjustments throughout the game. I think we're going to be really, really good. I think that when it comes to speed, I think that we have everything that we need. A lot of guys can go out there and run, and I think it's just going to open up things a lot. Uh, like, especially for me, a lot of teams are, were used to seeing me do certain things, and they can't really focus on that a lot anymore because now you got a lot of new guys who could be able to do those same things. And so now it's kind of like, we can be able to throw it to any and everybody because everybody understands the offense a lot more. We're starting to move people around a lot more. Like, so you'll never know where people are going to line up at. And I think that's where our dangerous weapons are going to be able to succeed. You don't know who we're going to run the ball with. You don't know who we're going to throw the ball to. We added so many additions. And the thing about it is the people that we added on our team are also selfless. And that's what you have to be able to have in a team is selfless people that want each other to succeed. And I think as we're continuing to build, though, it's been like, you know, this is the first day we get to go against the defense in real, you know, in real practice. I think that we've made tremendous jumps because on the Zoom calls, everybody's starting to understand the mental assignments. And so now when we come out here, it's just going out there and play. Obviously, there's going to be some things that we got to be able to work out with lining up, doing certain things with DBs guarding you. But for the most part, we already got the hard part figured out. Now it's just trying to get back into our game and do what needs to be done so we can be able to play in about four weeks. Doug Baldwin was a veteran on the team when the Seahawks drafted Tyler Lockett in 2015. 
And Baldwin was known for having a chip on his shoulder and about not getting the kind of respect around the league that he felt was warranted. So for people who don't consider Tyler Lockett among the top wide receivers in the NFL, does that help keep a chip on his shoulder as well? No, I kind of gave up on that. You know, it's kind of pointless to worry about what people view me as as a receiver. Uh, I think that when you have people that are just, um, let's just say people who watch the game, they're going to have a different opinion than the people who actually play. So you got players who literally know how good another player is, and then you have people who watch the game who think they know how good a player is, but they really don't know. They base it off of stats. They base it off of how many catches he has, and they don't really understand what goes into the whole entire element of the game. They don't look at the route running. They don't look at all these other things that make a player a player. You know, they say, okay, Tyler's, you know, an underrated receiver. Well, I never viewed myself as a receiver. I view myself as an all-around player. You want me on the inside? Okay. You want me on the outside? Okay. You want me to do kick return? Okay. You want me to do punt return? Okay. I'm a player that has so much value. And so it doesn't matter if I went down at receiver. If I go back to the two or the three, okay, I get to go back to doing both returns. You know, and so it doesn't. So to me, I'm not a one player type of person. You can't put me in a position. And so for me, I just gave up on everything that everybody else says because everybody has their own mindset of how they view a receiver. Oh, I view a receiver that got great hands. Okay, well, these are the top receivers. Oh, I got a receiver who's fast and who, who can run great routes. Okay, these are the best receivers. But at the end of the day, for me, it's about what can I do to become the best me and make it the greatest impact to my teammates. And sometimes being a best receiver ain't about being the best receiver on the field. It's about being able to make the other receivers around you better as well. That determines how great a receiver really is. Like life isn't about individual stats and all that, but in the league, it's about I got to get mine so I can get paid. But to me, what goes into really being a great receiver is making everybody else around you better. You know, and that's why I respect, you know, Richard Sherman a lot, because no matter who he's around or who he plays with, he's going to make sure everybody around him is just as good as him. And that's what's going to make the team great. And so you start realizing that as you start to get older and grow up is that the team will never go far unless everybody gives their knowledge and wisdom to one another. And that's when you start to build something that becomes more of a tribe rather than more than an individual type of aspect of the game. Since joining the league in 2012, the closest Russell Wilson has come to having a receiver tandem with two players going over a thousand yards was in 2016 with Doug Baldwin with over 1100 yards and Jimmy Graham with 923 yards. He came close again last season with Tyler Lockett at 1,057 yards and DK Metcalf at 900 yards. Only one time in Seahawks franchise history has Seattle had two receivers with 1,000 yards, and it wasn't with Matt Hasselbeck throwing the football, it wasn't with Dave Craig, it wasn't with Jim Zorn or even Warren Moon. No, it was in 1995 with Rick Meyer at quarterback, combined with three starts from backup quarterback John Fries for the Seahawks. It was those two who threw to Joey Galloway and Brian Blades, who each combined for just over a thousand yards each in that 95 season. So with that in mind, the Seahawks have the potential to have one of the top receiving tandems in franchise history. But could the duo of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf even be among the best in the NFL? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be something that's very special. 
obviously I don't know what it's going to look like, but I just know that it's going to be very special because when you have people who are unselfish and when you have people who really want the best for one another, like I said, like I'm going into it with the model of like, I want you to win just as much as I want to win. And when you really do that, you'll start to see just how much another person's success opens the door for you. And I think it's really about how you see things and how you view things. And I think that it's hard for teams to go into it with the mindset of who should we stop? Who should we guard? What kind of game plan should we have? Because if we're a team that knows how to adapt, you never know whose type of games it's going to be. But because we see in the game whose type of game it might start to be as we adapt in the game, you start to realize that you have a you have a person behind you that supports you, that cheers for you, that'll help you figure out how to get open and how to run this route. And one person feeds off another person's energy. And that's when you start realizing like we're building each other up to get to the top instead of trying to tear one other person down so we could get to the top. And so I think that with us, we're going to be building something that's going to be like very special to where it's not only going to be shared with us, but the rest of the receivers. And hopefully it starts to go around to everybody else on the team. But I think that's what's going to make this year special is because we're going to see what it's going to be like actually continuing to build each other up just from last year to this year. Obviously, as a veteran player and a guy who came up learning a similar philosophy from guys like Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Curse. But what about a younger player like Metcalf? Is he seeing that similar type of selfless mindset out of DK? Yeah, I mean, you start to realize that when you you see how special somebody can be just by the way they carry themselves and the way they really put in the time and effort and the mindset that they have to be great and to be and to be better than they did last year. I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you have people in your corner that want to support you and see you win. You know, in the league, it's real hard because sometimes it's about. I got to make the team. You can't get as many balls as I could get. If you do, you take food on the plate from my family. I need to get this. I need. And you start to realize it becomes an I type of mindset. But when you really have a group of people who really want to support each other, to really achieve what they want to be able to achieve, you start to rejoice in their victories and you start to weep in their losses. And it starts to become an ongoing thing to where you realize that we're really all in this together and there's enough food to go around on the table. It's not just this person is going to get fed every single game. There's enough to go around the whole entire season. And so you start for me, it's like you start realizing that if I can be able to show that support, it might start with me, you know, around the whole team. If I could start that off, then people can look at me and say, wow, like. Well, I viewed him as this type of person, but if he going to support me and he wants me to win, then who am I to act selfish? Like, who am I to want to get mine? Like, I want to return that same favor. So I feel like it's really about serving and wanting the support. And once you do that, it becomes like something that's just genetic and everybody starts to receive it. There's been a lot of talk this offseason about whether or not Seattle should consider bringing in Antonio Brown. And, you know, after listening to lock it and hearing his mindset and the receiver group as a whole, that they really all seem to share that view. So I can't see a player like AB, especially knowing his history, how he and Tyler could even get along. And if Brown could even get into that similar type of mindset, it sounds like is critical to being a Seahawks receiver. I know we don't really know these players, but everything I've seen and, and heard tells me that these are just two very different personalities. 
Coming up, Tyler Lockett talks about his tough choice of whether or not to opt out for the 2020 season and ultimately what helped him decide to play this year. That's coming up next. One of the things that Lockett worked through before coming into the league in 2015 was a health issue that he was made aware of at the Combine. He was diagnosed with an abnormal heart, and even though the doctors ultimately decided it was something that he could play with, it left him with some hesitation around the idea of playing this season considering the pandemic. There are others on the team who are in categories of increased risk factors, so knowing that and keeping his own health issues in mind, did Tyler have any hesitation about playing this year? Oh, yeah, I definitely had a lot of hesitation. You know, um, there was things in the combine that they said, you know, about, um, you know, something that had to deal with me to where they didn't think that I'd ever be able to play football in general. And so uh, just with everything that happened in COVID, that was one of my biggest issues was just trying to make sure that the type of thing that they said that I was kind of born with wasn't going to affect me if ever if I was able to go out there and play. Obviously, nobody really knows, you know, so you got doctors who kind of give you what you need to know up front, what they think and what their biggest um, opinion is of it. But I think I had my chance to opt out and I said that if I come up here, I'm going to just play. I know that we got Pete, we got a lot of older coaches. They don't want to put themselves in a situation to get sick neither. So I told myself if they could do it, then I know I could do it. And if I'm going to come out here and play, then I'm going to just do what needs to be done. I'm not going to stress over COVID. I did that from February to, to before we came into camp. So uh, I don't know what it's looking like out there or anything, but I just know that I'm trying to continue to focus on me and everything inside of what I can control. So that way I don't stress myself out on what's going out of the outside world. The other thing that played into his concerns about playing during the pandemic was a family history of asthma. Tyler talks about a cousin that he is close to who recovered from COVID-19, but there were times when it was so bad that she and other family members were concerned if she was going to make it. Here's Tyler talking about how his family has been impacted. Uh, yeah, so I had a cousin that lived with me while I was in Seattle for about uh, two years and she moved back to our hometown and she ended up getting COVID and she, it was bad, you know, like um, I would get messages from my mom and she'll send me like a long paragraph and stuff. Cause my cousin never told me. And she was just telling me how she was having a hard time breathing. You know, she really didn't feel good. And when I ended up talking to my cousin after she ended up overcoming it, she had told me that there was one day where her body was just aching so much she had told a woman that used to work, um, I think it was at Brookstone out here in Seattle. She had told her basically like she really didn't think that she was going to make it. She was like she didn't think her body was going to be able to deal with what she really felt, you know, another day. And, you know, she has asthma. And, you know, I have my dad's whole side of family have asthma, you know, my dad, my brothers. And so I think for me, just being in that position, I was just kind of like, that's why it made me question if I wanted to come play. You know, like I have um, a lot of stuff in my family to where I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy. But also you got to understand that now you're asking people to come up here and they live by themselves now. And a lot of people don't know what it's like to be isolated. People go through things individually. You already see what people went through in quarantine. And so now you're asking a group of people to be isolated from the whole world just to be able to play football. And that might be a good thing to to the football fans to say we get to see football, but you really don't know what it's doing to the people's mental. 
you really don't know because they don't get to be around anybody. You know, we only come here, we practice, and that gives us time. It's kind of like recess. It gives us time to be around people, but then we got to go home, get on Zoom calls, and we're literally sitting at home by ourselves. And and now you got rules that say you can't go this place, you can't go do that, you can't go do that. And so you really got to figure out how to deal with th these mental health issues that a lot of people don't know that individuals have. And so I think it's just a lot that's going to have to take place, but we have to be able to also learn how to be open and talk to therapists and stuff so that we don't put ourselves in a bad, isolated mindset just to make football happen. Recently, we saw a Seahawks player cut from the team for trying to sneak a woman into the team hotel. As a team leader, what's some of the advice that Lockett's been giving to younger players about sticking to the protocol that has been set up to help protect team members this season? The first thing is you got to know what you came here to do. Uh, when you come into the the professional football league, you got to be a professional. And so you have to know that there's there's a time for everything. And unfortunately, because we're in this COVID time, you can't put yourself in situations that normally you might have put yourself into had there not been a lot of restrictions with this COVID type of world that we're living in. But you also have to understand that, you know, there's a protocol for every team that wants to make sure that we're going to keep any and everybody safe. And also, you know, you got to be able to know and understand that everybody views these COVID, you know, this COVIDness different. Some people take it serious. They have kids, they have a family, they they have family members that have high blood pressure. Like you have to understand that we're all in this together. And I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people are starting to realize and understand. Uh, we're trying to understand and learn when we do bring our girlfriends or our wives to come stay with us. We're trying to figure out what's a good game plan to make sure we keep everybody safe. Should they get tested before they come? And then once they arrive and then we don't see them to the next day, we're trying to figure out all these different protocols that could be able to help us so that none of us feel like we're the reason that we get somebody sick or we're the reason that a, a certain family member dies in another person's family. So a lot of younger guys are starting to understand. They're starting to get it. We have a lot of pros here that understand how to be able to be a professional. And so a lot of the young guys are able to see that and it's not hard for them to follow suit because they're new to what's going on. And the last question dealing with pandemic related issues with everything that's been going on, canceling mini camps, migrating to online conference calls in the off season, and finally reporting to training camp just a couple of weeks ago, has it been more difficult or less difficult for him to focus on football this year? Before I came up here, it was more difficult. But since I've been up here, it's way easier just to deal with because we don't have to worry about leaving outside of, you know, from our houses to the facility. We might have to go to the grocery store, but that's it and we come home. Um, during the season, my life is already a quarantine because that's really all I do anyway. You know, so just to be able to come up here, we get tested almost every single day. So to come up here, get tested, we know that we're safe. And we know that we're following the right protocols to make sure that we stay safe. And it just feels like it's a distraction. It distracts us from the things that we were really stressing and having anxiety about. And we can actually feel normal in a normal setting because the tests are telling us that we're all OK. And then also when we go home, we know that people don't really have as much time to do anything because we got four hour Zoom calls after we practice. And so, you know, that everybody's pretty much doing what needs to be done or at least trying to do what needs to be done because they're trying to figure it out and adjust as well. And so I think that I think that for us, it's just been really good 
you know, we know the Seahawks do everything the right way and they try to do it better than it's done before. So it allows at least me to come out here and feel comfortable. And as long as I can feel comfortable, then I feel like I'll be great. Like I can adjust without being comfortable, but to know that we don't have to deal with a lot of stuff that's going on right now, it says a lot. But that's only what we're controlling inside of our building. We don't know how it looks for other teams. We don't know how it's going to look when we start traveling. But you just got to take it one day at a time and just know that we're going to do our part. We just got to hope that the other teams are going to do their part. And lastly, some people may not know that Tyler Lockett off the field has performed as a spoken word poet. Just last year, he released a book of his poetry in October titled Reflection. And so Tyler was asked if being a veteran in the NFL has really helped him move toward more of that self-expression. But as Lockett says, it started even before he came into the NFL. For me, self-expression, I think, came when I was in college. You know, I think that um, in high school and college, I expressed myself more so emotionally than ever before. You know, I think there's times where I'm just real quiet and that's just how I play sometimes. I could be emotionally on the field and then off the field on the sidelines. It looks like I'm not even into the game, but that's just kind of how I am. I was told I got bad body language a lot my whole life. But I think for me now, like I'm trying to get to a place where I could play free, you know, where you detach yourself from the business and you really start to invest yourself on what it is that you truly wanted to do in the first place of playing this game of football and what you wanted to represent. Like, I think for me, a lot of times I let the business represent me and I kind of let the outside affect me. Uh, one of the things that we kind of talked about was the coffee bean. Like, have you seen the coffee bean book? When it talked about if you put a carrot in a boiling water, it becomes softened and weakened. You put an egg in there, it's a hard boiled egg. And when you're a carrot in life, you let the outside world dictate what you become and you become weakened. You know, in the outside world, whenever you put an egg in there, you become hardened. You become um, numb to everything that's happening. But I think this year, you know, I'm choosing to be the coffee bean to where it doesn't matter the outside circumstances on what's going on. I'm going to transform it on the inside to where the boiling water, that's trials and tribulations and all that. You put the coffee bean in there, which is me, and I turn it into coffee. And so I'm learning how to be a transformer that, to, that changes everything around me rather than to allow the outside world change me on the inside. Some really interesting stuff from Tyler Lockett on the show. I'll always tune in to hear what he has to say. On Monday, after the team puts pads on for the first time, Coach Carroll, he's scheduled to speak to the media. So look for that on one of the next shows. Subscribe to the podcast at SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Watch FieldGoals.com for all the latest news. And until next time, go Hawks.